All right, well, welcome back once again to another episode of Theology Doesn't Suck. As always, I am Josh Patterson, at least that's what uh, my mom tells me. And uh, <laughs> with me today is actually not Andy, uh, which is kind of sad, but we have we found a, a very good replacement for him. So with me is Matt Thrift. How's it going, Matt? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> good, man. Hey, like, just in case, you know, people are... are don't fully know who you are yet. Matt uh, has recently joined our team as the producer of our podcast, and he's doing a pretty damn good job. If I can <laughs> say that, you know, do you oh, do man. you agree, Matt? You're doing a pretty great job, right? Yeah, I'm gonna have to take that out now, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm trying. I'm I'm still learning the ropes, but I'm trying. That's for sure. It's a little different than producing music, so oh sure, <laughs> getting used yeah. to it. But but yeah. right on. Sweet. Well, how, how are things going, man? I know you just had a, a pretty big uh, life change recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, with yeah. the addition of your uh, another member to your, your, to your family. No, we're doing, we're doing great. It's been uh, a lot easier to adjust to having two kids than it was the, the first time around just having one. So it's, <laughs> uh, it, it's definitely, I mean, I guess you just know to expect the lack of sleep and complete exhaustion <laughs> and, and pain and all of that stuff. But no, it's, it's actually, it's been going really well, definitely. And, and she's amazing and, and beautiful and great. So we're doing great. <laughs> Sweet, man. That's, that's awesome. I, uh, I don't have children. But I have dogs, and they count. We and we have three dogs, and two of them are like horses. So it, I guess that counts for something. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, I think that if you've got three dogs, I think that counts pretty much the same. So <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah, you can hear them sometimes if you listen very closely to some of our episodes. You can hear them in the background. But uh, yeah, so since real quick, uh, we have a guest with us today. But real quick before we uh, we bring her on. Since Andy's not here, I thought it'd be a, a great time to talk about how great the Washington Capitals are. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> not much better they are than the Colorado Avalanche. Well, I don't I don't even know if we have to have too much of a conversation there because that's just kind of a <laughs> given at this point. But, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been a pretty good week for us. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely sweet. All right, well that's that's fair. We'll we'll stop picking on Andy. He's not here to defend himself. He's off doing <laughs> doing Andy stuff. Um, and Andy, we love you. Uh, but anyway, uh, like I said today, we have a second guest. And uh, Matt and I, we were kind of talking about this off air. We think it's really interesting because it's the second, she is the second female guest we've had on the show, but she is also the second Bonnie we've had on the show. And oh. I do not know too many people named Bonnie. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you know what? I don't either. And when I saw the your like last Instagram post, I was, I was honest, I was dazed because my kids don't sleep. And I was like, oh, my gosh, did we already <laughs> record it? Because I never meet anybody named Bonnie, let alone like a theologian. So I was super right. excited to find your last guest. That was cool. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Bonnie, other Bonnie, <clears throat> Bonnie Christian. Mm -hmm. And so you are Bonnie Lewis yes. for our viewers. So they, they could tell the difference. Uh, Bonnie <laughs> Christian is super cool. Um, I actually came across her through Dan Koch's podcast. You have permission. Mm -hmm. uh, she was on there, and I thought it was it was pretty stellar. And then um, I've been teaching uh, my youth group students using her book. Yeah, it looks great. Well, so I need cool. to get it. I hadn't heard of it yet, so I'm excited to add it to my list. Oh yeah, it's it's awesome. She she does a really a really great job, um, and it's, I think it's a really important work too. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's really great. I couldn't recommend it. You know. 
anymore. Huh. Uh, but anyway, um, so like I said, for, uh, for you listeners, with us today is Bonnie Lewis. And I actually came into contact or into the know about you, Bonnie, uh, through Bad Christian, which I've made very clear on the show that that is one of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> I think, Matt, is that the same way you were introduced to Bonnie as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I guess I'm a heretic because I listen to Bad Christian too. But <laughs> well, then that will make yeah. three of us, so that's fine. <laughs> right on. Right. We're in good company. We're in good company. Andy's Sweet. just so, like crying somewhere right now. I <laughs> know, oh poor Andy. He's praying for our salvation. Um, <laughs> but but uh, anyway, Bonnie, if you could just, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so um, like we've said, my name is Bonnie. I live in Austin, Texas, and I'm a wife, and I have two kids, eight and two. And um, so... Let's see. It's kind of hard. I've kind of done everything for so many years until now. Now is the first time I'm only doing one thing, which is super exciting. So um, let's see. I went to a seminary. I got my uh, degree in Master's of Arts of Theology from Fuller Seminary. And that was about, yeah, that was about 10 years ago I graduated. So since then, I worked at numerous different churches in very different capacities. Um, I've, like... I've never been hired on the children's team, even though women <laughs> normally are, because I think they just knew, like, that she doesn't have enough patience. We're not, we're not going to put her in there. <laughs> so I've never done that. But I've um, I've worked on, like, teaching teams, or I've been a research assistant at times, um, <clears throat> and then finally the past, like, five years or so in a pastoral role. So we only hmm. moved out to Austin about two years ago. Um, before we moved out here, I was a pastor of a house church, and then... Um, at the same time, kind of in the middle there, a good friend of mine had started a church and he ended up moving away and had to leave. And so I stepped in as a pastoral role there too. So um, I continue actually to pastor them. We're trying to figure out if we can start a house church um, here in Austin. So we're trying to figure that out. But I go out there once a month um, and preach and speak and do seminars and things like that for them. But then also um, what you guys probably heard about and what I get to do now, which is really fun is back in January, um, I put a new Bible translation up on Kickstarter, and it got fully funded, which was totally insane. And <laughs> so cool. I know, so like it was, it was honestly probably one of the dumbest things I've ever done because they, <clears throat> I just had this idea, right? Like, so I always get asked to preach and speak in these churches, and I like doing it, obviously. At the same time, I felt like, at least for me and like where I was at, this is about two years ago, I sort of felt like I was being kind of pushed into um, the role that you usually see women, like Christian, like theologian or women, which is basically just like fluffy ideas with like a pretty Instagram account. And (laughs) I was like, I can't do it. It just wasn't me. It wasn't me at all. Like I really have always loved the languages of the Bible. I've really loved exegesis. I've loved the genres. And so it just was not me. At the same time, I really didn't have too many women examples. So I wasn't sure what that would look like for me. And so I had this idea um, about a year and a half ago of what would it be like? Because I, I also struggled really hard when I deconstructed with what do I do with the Bible? And um, okay, yeah, like... I want to read it. I think there's wisdom there. 
I appreciate it, but I can't not read it without this like evangelical shame like hitting me in the face every time I do it. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it was really tough for me. And so um, I was like, I also believe because I've studied it um, just like from an academic standpoint, but also from an intellectual standpoint, but also just from a spiritual standpoint that like, I don't believe that's who God is. I don't think that he's full of shame and he's out to get us. And so is there a way that I could figure out how to read the Bible without all this shame attached to it? And so I thought, and so we're sitting there one night and my husband's like, if you could do anything, what would you do? I was like, I would write a new, I would translate the Bible and write a new translation. And he's like, well, then why don't you? I was like, well, what do you mean? Why don't I? Isn't that obvious? And he's like, he's like, no. And so I just started researching and you know, there's Bibles for everything. There's like the coffee lovers Bible, the, you know, I mean, it's just like, there's everything, but they're all the same, our same translations and they might have footnotes or they might have different things. But the thing that I found to be missing in the text was, um, a translation that included, and we'll get into why I did this, but, um, sort of like the backstory of, all the characters in the story. So like the historical context and the cultural context, and even some of the word studies that like pastors do or theologians do, and then they write books about, that's really great if you're willing to read those books. But if you're not, and you just pick up the Bible, you're probably (laughs) going to be lost, you know? And so I'm like, I would love to write a translation that includes all of that into the writing. Cause I had also have been a writer for a long time. And so I put it up on Kickstarter and, you know, and there's all these like rules. They say like you have to have at least um, <clears throat> at least like 3000 fans on your Facebook page and an established author could probably like it'll be a stretch, but an established author could could raise 40 grand. But even then, that's hard and like all this stuff. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. OK, so like I don't know a soul. I, <laughs> I don't have any type of platform. <laughs> Um, and then we raised like over $32,000 and it got fully funded and I'm, it's like so exciting. So now I get to do that. So now I get to say I'm translating the Bible, which is really crazy. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I'm super bummed that, uh, I didn't know about your Kickstarter, you know, when it was a thing and still going on. <laughs> I know. You know what? Because I think it's such a cool thing. I know. So I got connected to Bad Christian and they were supposed to, um, or like uh, the plan was they were going to try to put it on like while the Kickstarter was happening. Um, uh, okay. But they, it didn't happen that way. And I was actually sort of glad because it was just, it wasn't like any of this big promotion or anything like that. It was just like all these people that were word of mouth that were excited about it that just kind of came together. It was, it was really, really neat, but you can, when we'll get to this at the end of it, but, um, even if you didn't, we're going to put it on Amazon after the Kickstarter oh, people fantastic. have it. So you can still get it later. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really cool. And, um, actually I think, did you, was your connection? Cause they were joking about it. I was listening. <clears throat> I went back and re-listened, uh, to the episode uh, with you today. Did you get connected to them through Joey? Is that how? Yeah, through Joey. How that connection happened? Yeah, okay, a cool. friend did of you, mine did... knew him, and I okay. just reached <laughs> out and I was like, <clears throat> "Can you please send him an email? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not like, there's no way he'll like get word of it." And my friend was like, "Sure." And Joey like was so kind and. Took took a look at the Kickstarter page and just wrote me and was like, "Hey, I would love to have you on here." And I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like freaking out. <laughs> so yeah, through Joey, dude. That's yeah, that's super cool. That's awesome. Um, well, just uh, 
just also so that uh, to kind of give some context as well to just um, some of like your upbringing, what like what kind of uh, church upbringing do you have or non-church upbringing do you have and where do you find yourself uh, like in a church today? Like as far as like denomination, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I grew up in a non-denominational church. Um, I think that was mostly just like my mom grew up Lutheran and my dad, I think, grew up Baptist. And so they were like, I don't know, let's just meet in the middle, I guess. <laughs> and so we, I would grew up in a non-denominational and it was very... Um, very evangelical, like ev- all the stories you hear of like purity culture and youth groups <laughs> that were awful and like things like that, like and totally shame based. Like that was me, and so I I remember having a lot of anxiety around the idea of getting to heaven. Like that was mm. the only reason that you basically did anything, um, right? <clears throat> you know. <laughs> so I remember I'm like already an anxious person. And I have, I struggle with anxiety now. Um, But when you're a kid, you don't really know what that is or what that means. And I just remember being like, so anxious, like, I'm not going to get to heaven. I'm totally going to go to hell. I'm going to do it like for whatever reason. And, and so I really grew up afraid of God. And, um, you know, part of that was the church setting. Uh, The other part of that was my own fault, because the first book I read when I could like understand the Bible was revelations. <laughs> that didn't help. <laughs> and so, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It was just kind of a mix. So I grew up that I also, um, a saving grace for me and like a light spot for me was young life. I was really involved in young life in high uh, school. Right on. Yeah. Young life school. I was involved with that as well. Okay. Yeah. So I like, it was the first time I had met Christians who were like normal you know, like in the sense of like they weren't all Christians. So we were all just talking about normal things, but around also the topic of God. So, and it's so funny, my young life leader, who's now like really high up in the organization, he always used to say, and we still talk, he's actually like helping me with some of my Tim Shell stuff. And he used to, he always used to like say stuff. And I would be like, Tank, his name's Tank. I'd be like, you can't swear. And he'd be like, I'm a Christian, but I still say kick ass. So what? And I texted him the other day and I'm like, I'm so sorry about all that shit I gave you about swearing. I get it now. <laughs> it's like so funny. But um, so I really grew up in like a really rule based, like legalistic culture. Sure. I mean, it was like, I mean, all the things like I kissed dating goodbye, like everything you can think of, like <laughs> I was in it, you know, I was really thinking to that. So, um, <clears throat> About like five years ago, we had a um, <clears throat> like a season of life that was really tough. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, and okay, I mean, like I will condense it. But my mom got breast cancer. We got black mold poisoning. Our whole family did. Because of that, I had like all this inflammation. I got a back injury, so I was paralyzed from the waist down on my left side. For about a year. Oh, wow. It was really bad. Jeez. And we had a stillborn. And so yeah. it was like, it was terrible and awful, as you can imagine. But what made it, like what really stung was that I believed that those things happen because God was punishing me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was really tough. So when that happened, it kind of blew the whole thing open for me because I was like, well, if that's true, then I'm out. Like I'm done. I'm not going to believe in this or I have to figure out, like, is God actually like this? Like, have I just been learning and believing poor theology like my whole life, basically? So um, 
that was a real turning point for me and for uh, my husband. Um, and so we just kind of started deconstructing and we just started like going through all of it and like therapy and <laughs> all the different things. <laughs> and what was great about it is we really love the people we are now. I mean, we came out with a, just such a different understanding of who God is and, um, <clears throat> what the Bible is and empathy for other people. And like, it's just a, much wider understanding of who he is. So I still find myself, like if you were to ask me, I guess, like you did, if I, I still find myself in sort of a non-denom like section, like that's what the churches are I'm at. But, um, I feel really drawn to the Episcopalian church. (laughs) Okay. Sure. I'm always like, we should just go, we should just go to that one down the street. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I really like the, the liturgy of it all. Okay. Um, yeah, and just kind of the movements and the the rhythms. Um, I think that's important just for me spiritually. So um, yeah, but I I'm much. I'm not necessarily. I wouldn't define myself though at all. I don't define myself as evangelical anymore. I think that I've sort of left that behind, and um, maybe I'm in between. Like, what's next for me in terms of that? But um, I'm happy to say that I've sort of gotten over a lot of that fear or poor theology that I learned growing up and I no longer ascribe to that, which is great, but came at, came at a cost for sure. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Um, and to, uh, I'm going to try to ask a question that, uh, Andy would ask. Um, so did you, (laughs) did you have any, uh, and I mean, I I already know the answer to this, but cause for people who don't, did you have any, um, like pushback or, or trouble as far as, um, like being, uh, one being a woman going to seminary, becoming, being a woman, becoming a pastor. Um, I know that for some of our listeners that might sound like a strange question, but also to others, uh, that's a very real question that I'm sure people are wondering as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I had a ton of pushback, you know, it, it was never like discussed growing up. Nobody said, no, you can't do this, but it was also never modeled. So I didn't even, yeah, so I didn't even realize that was a thing um, until I went to, yeah, until I went to college and I went to this really liberal college and actually I was studying Greek in my undergrad. I got my undergrad in world religions and I was studying Greek in undergrad and my professor was just like, hey, you're, you, you're really good at this. Have you ever thought about being a pastor. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, no. Um, and he's like, well, and, and you know, he's naming like these liberal denominations. He's like the United Church of Christ or the Disciples of Christ mm. or the Episcopalians. And like, I was like, oh my gosh, I was brought up that those people weren't Christian. So like, right, I don't right, know right. Like, what you think I'm going to do. Like, I was so taken aback. Um, but, um, and so I actually started seminary at um, a much more conservative university. And I started getting like an apologetics degree because that felt safe for me. Like, okay, <clears throat> I'll only know three inches deep on a lot of topics. So nobody can ding me for knowing too much <laughs> or for like upstaging anyone, but I just couldn't do it. I just like, I hated it. And so I, <laughs> I left, I quit and I went and got my uh, my master's and even in my, even in my master's program, I think when I finally said like, okay, no, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get my MAT. 
And um, I started getting like a few preaching gigs or people started saying like in my preaching classes, like, hey, you're you're really gifted at this or you're really talented at your exegesis or whatever it is. That's when I really started getting pushback from a lot of people around me and just a lot of things of like, um, you're not allowed to do this. Scripture says you can't do this. Um, And I was married at the time. So I had a few people say like, it's not okay because your husband doesn't have that same schooling as you. I even had one person be like, your husband should get his PhD. And, and my husband was like, what? Like, I'm not going to do that. It was it was all very confusing because like, sure. here I was knowing I was gifted, knowing I was good at it, knowing I liked it. Like, it was finally something you like liked to do. And then all these people are mm-hmm. like, you're not allowed to do it. Um, because the sure. God that you want to serve with these gifts has made you gifted, but also incapable of using those gifts. <laughs> like that's a very sure, confusing sure. message. <laughs> so yeah, I got oh, a ton, wow. a ton of pushback. Um, I mean, and I've gotten called into church meetings and, um, told, like, I remember this one, we had a, <clears throat> I was this like research director and I helped research the sermons and um, I was in there and the main guy who had really supported me left the had left the church. And so I wasn't aware that everybody else was basically against me because he had like really shielded (laughs) it from me. And so we're in this meeting and one of the pastors raises his hand is like, well, we can preach it this way. And I just like, this is my job is to like fact check. So I raised my hand and I'm like, yeah, you actually, I don't think you can say that. Because what he's referring to here is this and this. And then he called me later and was like, you are never allowed to share your opinion in a meeting again. And (laughs) you can't say, you can't correct me. And I mean, it was bad. So like from small things, like just bad looks to like full on, like you're straight up heretic. I've gotten it all. (laughs) I've gotten all of it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Right on. Yeah. Sweet. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, you know, for filling us in, that'll be helpful. And then real quick, one one more question before we jump in uh, to your translation. This is a question that we literally ask everybody who comes oh, on the podcast. Fun. okay. And it, it doesn't really have anything to do with theology. Great. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it might not be that great of a question, but uh, <laughs> we all love ice hockey. And so we want to know, do you have a favorite ice hockey team? Okay. That's our question. <laughs> I am just going to say, I... My dad played ice hockey in college. Really? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Ooh. So I've been to a fair share of college ice hockey games. So I'm just going to tell you the last one I went to, if the team sucks, I'm sorry. It's also not my favorite <laughs> team because I don't have one. But okay. uh, the last <laughs> one I went to was a DU, Denver University versus Colorado College game. Okay. Awesome. Okay. And no, Well, I think. You win an award. You're the first person we've had on uh, who has played ice hockey. Oh, well, I mean, I did it. I just <laughs> know someone who did. My dad did. Oh, no, somebody. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Okay. My dad right, did. Well, that's still pretty good. That's <laughs> yeah, I still think pretty, it's pretty good. good. <laughs> right on. Yeah, sweet. So <clears throat> you, um, where did you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to help settle your favorite hockey team by default. Where, so you said you live in Austin now. Mm-hmm. Where, but you're not originally from Texas, right? No. So I grew up. Where were you before? I was born in Colorado. 
Okay. Half of my adolescence was in Arizona. The other okay. half was in Colorado and Denver. But right, but you live in America, and <laughs> what's the capital of America? What? <laughs> so. DC. <laughs> I also have a good friend who loves the ducks. Ah, Anaheim, uh, right on. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. He's always talking about the ducks, and I'm always like, I. I think you're the only person that talks about the deck. But I never say that to him. I'm like, yes, good. I just try to be supportive. That's awesome. And Matt, Matt's trying to, to kindly redirect you towards the good side, the Washington Capitals. But uh, Andy, Andy is an avid, avid, avid Colorado Avalanche fan. He absolutely loves them. I so heard by- you guys say that, but like, I feel like I've heard they suck. Uh well they have I could be they're doing they're doing okay right now. <laughs> Are they but doing in, better? In the okay. in the most recent past they have for sure sucked. Okay. Um and Andy would agree with that. Uh but Call, right we, now. We, I, I mean think we like really in, excel in football. Right. But on. you know, like even the baseball team, the Rockies, like real struggle. <laughs> so it's like it's kind of a struggle over there. I i I'm, I'm glad those other sports though are still trying in Denver. Yeah, that's good. That's good. The, the uh, actually, Matt. The just just so you know, Matt. The Washington Capitals just won two to one against Montreal, so they clinched the the Metro Division title. So sweet. Oh wait, yeah, so I'm that, having a fuzzy memory of a team I did like. Okay. St. Louis Blues. The Blues. Yes, yeah. I've been to a few right. Blues games. All right, we'll we'll deem you a, an honorary St. Louis Blues. Okay, fan that then. sounds good. That sounds good. I <laughs> like that better than, than the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche. So yes. we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, it's better. Okay, there we go. There we go. Sweet. <laughs> awesome, My dad. Well, I guess- I'm gonna make him listen. He's gonna be so proud. I remembered the Blues names. <laughs> He's gonna be like, <laughs> My work here is done. Yes, <laughs> perfect. So glad. Perfect. That's good. Yeah. Oh, man. I hope my kids play ice hockey. My wife's always like, you can't force them. I'm like, well, I won't force them, but I'll highly suggest it. You're like, listen, (laughs) if that's the sport, the only sport they can sign up for and also their punishment if they don't do their chores, like that's not my problem. Right. (laughs) Exactly right. You can you can just use my method and watch hockey at full volume while they're in the womb. Oh, and there we go. nice. Because I didn't do that with hockey, but with music. Um, okay. Oh, my goodness. I just blared metal the entire time. Yeah, I was going to say, so you're going to have we a bunch were... of metalhead kids. It's awesome. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. We already do, so. <laughs> yeah, like my son, he's aware, but then I got smart. My daughter, she doesn't know that kids' songs exist. Oh, brilliant. Oh, like, she just thing. thinks it's my playlist. You know what I mean? <laughs> she doesn't know. There's, and my mom comes over and she'll do a nursery rhyme. She's like, why does she look so surprised? I'm like, she's never heard that. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome. Well, um, I guess uh, I'll rein us back in here. Um, <clears throat> so the reason that, that we wanted to talk to you uh, more specifically today, Bonnie, was about uh, the translation that you mentioned Earlier, which is yeah. the the Tim Shell translation, are we saying that properly? Yes, you are. The Tim Shell translation, awesome. And so, uh, so you've talked about it a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, you yourself have deemed it an idiomatic translation, mm-hmm. and that is a big word. Mm-hmm. Um, so when <laughs> when you, <laughs> I, I I have a, a pretty general idea, um, but uh, for people who might not know what that means, can you kind of explain uh, idiomatic and why that that fits? Uh, the Tim Shell translation. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just like I think people too in general, if I can just say, so like translating is on a spectrum. So you'll have okay. like your <clears throat> word for word translations, which would be like K 
King James, um, you know, NIVs, things like that. And then you have your like phrase for phrase translations, which would be like the message would be a phrase for phrase, or in this case, Tim shell. And so the differences there would be someone who's translating it word for word. Their main goal is to keep the syntax and like the genre and the word count completely the same. So they will literally just translate one word from the Hebrew or the Greek into English. Um, so that's the goal. For someone who's doing a phrase-for-phrase phrase translation, the goal is readability. It's mm. not to keep the original um, <clears throat> like syntax or even just like three words. It's just like we want to make this as readable as possible for a very specific cultural context. So like that's what mm. Eugene Peterson did with the message. Um, so... When I was um, trying to figure out what to do, and I was like, so this is what I want to do. I want to um, explain sort of the culture and the history and how that would, all of those facts about cultural background, historical background, um, the original languages, even the genre, all those facts inform, to the best of our knowledge, like what these characters might be feeling or thinking based on the text and then based on all these commentaries like is there a something out there like that and b um what is it called (laughs) so um, (laughs) in my research there isn't a bible that we have like on our shelves at the bookstore that is like that now there are a lot of writings like from the second temple period that are like that and even Mm. um like something i was just reading from from peter ends is he's saying like even the New Testament writers, to an extent, did that with the Old Testament, right? They're kind oh, of... Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. reformatting it. And so there's actually a lot, some of, like, very antique writings where people did something of this nature, of taking a story and then sort of adding in their um, the character's mindset or thoughts or feelings or whatever so that the stories can become more, more three-dimensional. Um, Mm -hmm. So I want to say that. And the other thing I want to say is every single translation we have, whether it is your word for word or it's like something like the message, all of it is a little bit of interpretation. Like there is no way that you can have a translation without it being interpretive in some sense. Because like the Hebrew and Greek words, especially Hebrew, though, there's so many layers and different meanings. And so a translator really has to pick which one they're going to pick. And like if you say, for example, if you're talking even about creation and you say he made something, God made this versus he formed it or God provided this versus he formed it. Like those are two totally different um, ideas of like what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Like, did God make a material material substance or did it, was it just like, is this just an allegory? You know, so it's so all <laughs> of it has an element of interpretation in it. So anyways, when I was going about it, um, I really, I can't remember how I found it, but um, the word idiomatic means um, thoughts or feelings, the thoughts or feelings or emotions of a person at a specific given time and circumstance. And so Right on. When I found that, I was like, yes, that's exactly what it is. Because someone could read it, and we'll read it here in a second so people can hear it. And it's a lot of things. It's a phrase for phrase. Um, maybe it's a paraphrase translation. Maybe it's a this. Maybe it's a that. But it for sure isn't idiomatic, and there isn't one out there. So I really wanted to just pick one phrase that it was. It's mostly this. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, yeah, that's perfect. And I think, too, um, 
I mean, you touched on this. What what I've just from what I've noticed from the the bits that you've shared with us, it seems like you're you're trying to bring in not only like really important like cultural context, um, but also some of like the emotional <clears throat> stuff from characters as well. Yeah, um, I think that's really cool. Oh yeah, um, thanks. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's tough because. Like, that was one thing for me. I mean, like, when we were going through, we we like to call it the ship parade. And, um, (laughs) like, I, seriously, that was when I was 29 and I had a cake. My husband got me a cake on my 30th birthday that says, I survived the ship parade. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) That's what it felt like. We're just, like, walking through life and, like, all this, like, crap just got, like, getting, like, heaved at us. Um, but so like when I was going through that, like everybody being very well-meaning was like, you need to open your Bible, you know, you need to read your Bible. And so I would, and I would be like, I don't connect with any of this. Like to Mm -hmm. me, these characters, they just are doing the thing. They're just going through the motions. And like, I have no idea if what they're feeling, like I don't have a place of connection for my real human response to my current situation. And so Mm -hmm. I really wanted to pull that out so that. Anybody, someone that's read the Bible a million times or someone that's never read it and picks it up can find their own story in the text or find their neighbor's story, and it would drive us to empathy for our neighbor. Sure. Sweet. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Um, Matt, you, <laughs> we, were, we were talking earlier, Matt. I'm going to put you on the spot here because I thought, I thought you said something interesting. I want to I get Bonnie's... Uh, idea on it real quick you you kind of did like a comparison do you remember do you remember what i'm talking about in <laughs> yeah. our text message said yeah see uh, tell bonnie that and i want to see what what bonnie thinks if that's fair um and if i'm putting you on the spot i apologize but bonnie seems pretty cool no and hopefully it's not a bad thing but um <clears throat> no i was as i was reading through it i guess like the way i was viewing it was sort of like are, are you familiar with the passion translation oh um, a little bit but okay so i was kind of looking at it similarly to like kind of how that is for for the charismatic church mm. to to like the uh i guess like the emerging church w- would be more along this line where like as i was reading through it i was like this has so many of the different tones of what is conversation in the emerging church right now mm. and uh in in progressive Christianity, quote unquote, yeah. <laughs> in, in general. And, um, and so it was just kind of funny. I, I was telling, <coughs> I was telling Josh earlier that I, I actually work with my father and, and my dad is still a very, uh, reformed Calvinist. Um, and so at, at lunchtime today, I was like, Hey, just take a look at this and, oh, uh, no. and read through it. <laughs> and, and, well, yeah, after, <laughs> after I thought about it for a second, I was like, that probably wasn't a good idea, but, but it was very, it was very interesting to hear. Cause like just some of the thoughts that, uh, <laughs> just wouldn't have crossed my mind while, while reading it, like, and, and having that conversation, I think it's actually really cool. Cause it does kind of open, the possibility for a lot more conversation yeah. that that wouldn't necessarily come about. So I think there's a lot. I'm, I'm looking at it now. There's just there's a lot going on in every aspect of of every story, and I think that's what was happening in the Bible for sure. So like, yeah, there's there's it's definitely cool. I, I appreciate it. That's for sure. Oh, cool. Yeah. Definitely. No, I think you really hit the nail on the head because 
Um, and I said this in my Kickstarter video, which is still up. I didn't realize Kickstarter keeps their stuff up forever, so that's kind of great. <laughs> right on. I know. So, like, when I'm 80, I can be like, see, kids, I did something. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things that I say in there is, like, this is a translation for the spiritually homeless. Because oh, it's perfect. Yeah, because... Um, the 20 stories that we, we're only starting with 20, because honestly, I was like, maybe nobody will pledge. So let's just start sure. with 20. That seems fair. Um, <laughs> um, are all stories that like maybe we've heard, but like you said, echo conversations that we're all having or that someone might be having in their deconstruction. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, I really wanted to highlight those um, and also redeem stories that brought shame upon me as like a person and sure. that I don't think are meant for shame. So I wanted to highlight those as well. But, um, the other thing that is, was really big for me. And so like, it actually brings me great joy that you gave that to your dad and that you had this interesting conversation (laughs) is that, um, and I can tell, you know, obviously sparing me the details. So <laughs> must not have been awesome. Um, but I'm totally comfortable with that because, like, I knew that would be the case. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know. But um, something that I loved is that, you know, Scripture was never designed to be treated the way we treat it currently, which is mm-hmm. like an instruction manual, Um just a pastor gets up there, tells you what it says, and then is done. It was always meant to be dealt with and worked out in community. And it was always meant to bring up more questions than answers and to guide us towards wisdom and not like a yes or no rule board. And so right on. it was always like that. And so I really wanted to create something and to translate it in a way that it did just that. So, like, when someone comes up to me and they're like, listen, I read your translation, and then I went and I opened my ESV and my NIV and blah, 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 and I read all those, and then I talked to my friend, and then we talked to our friends, and then we prayed against you, and we decided you were a heretic. I'm like, gosh, you know what, though? (laughs) Like, you just fell into it because it just did exactly what it's designed to do. (laughs) Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted you to... You got together with your friends and had an important discussion. Now, obviously, it was at my expense, but you still did it. You know what I mean? And so we've really lost that, I think, as well. So and we'll see sure. in this um, passage is like the other thing we're really used to. And so it kind of jars us when we read it in the Bible. It's like we're really used to these Bible stories being tied up into a neat bow. And they just really aren't actually in the Bible. And so then when we read our scripture, we're like, wait, what? What happened to the end? We're like, the altar call. We get a little kind of confused. And so it's written in such a way that we don't tie up any loose ends. We really leave it there. So there's some stuff that's uncomfortable, and we're fine with that. Yeah, I think I think that's really great, and I think you I think you said that really well, Bonnie. And one Mm -hmm. one way too that that's been helpful for me to think about. Um, and I've read this, you know, in, in a variety of places, but kind of thinking of scripture in like a Jewish lens of uh, how they kind of viewed it as like a multifaceted diamond. So mm-hmm. they would look, they would look yeah. at it and they would continue to turn it and turn it and turn it and turn it and like yeah. get all these different views and all these different perspectives and readings and understandings. And I just, I think that's so much more beautiful mm-hmm. than this like black and white, yes or no you know, dualistic way to read. Yeah. Um, well, and such a, I think a better picture of who God is. Like we just can't oh, pin him down and we just keep trying, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Sweet. Um, well, 
I guess then we can go ahead and, and jump in here. I'm really excited, actually, for, for people to be able to hear this. Okay, um, cool. So we have your translation, but I thought something that might be helpful, and I definitely stole it from Dan, uh, was <laughs> to, to read, like, um, a verse out of, like, a, another translation first. So in this yeah. case, I have, an, I have an ESV with me. Okay. Um, and so to read out of that. And so did you... Out of out of the the bit that you sent us, um, is there a specific part you would you would really like to cover? No, more you than go something for it. Else? I'd rather you guys be like, this part was interesting to me. Let's talk about it. All right, cool. Well, Matt, would you like would you like to pick <clears throat> one? If not, um, then we'll, we can just go with uh, with twenty two. Yeah, I think I'd probably go with twenty two. Twenty two was like, um, uh, I think for me, twenty two was, I guess, kind of like. I don't know. I don't want to say shocking, but at the same at the same point, twenty two is actually kind of shocking. That was probably intentional to to start off that way. But <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess I guess reading through that was probably. I, I thought it was interesting. I was going to say like I think um, it's not often, which sounds weird, but it's not often that when I'm reading the Bible that like. I have like this pushback inside of myself, like, oh no, that's not right or something. <laughs> totally, yeah, that's but, fair. But I think, I think, like you were saying, like I think bringing on that conversation is also a necessary piece. Mm-hmm. So I think the the pushback in me, like reading through this and like, wait a second, like is is that correct? Is that something I've got to look up more into? And that sort of thing is is something I appreciate because it pushes me to to do that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So so yeah, I think twenty two. Honestly, if if I was going to suggest 22? one. That would, That'd probably be where I would start. Um, yeah. Well, I'll I'll start with um yeah with chapter twenty two and I'll just I guess do verse one. Okay. Is that I mean is there is there a more specific verse in there, Matt? That you yeah verse comes, one is verse yeah, one. He's verse like one no from saying. the beginning I had a problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, right no. on. So yeah, so we'll do. I'll read. I'll read Genesis. So this is for our listeners. This is Genesis. Chapter 22, verse 1. And I'm going to read out of the ESV. Um, And then Bonnie is going to read her translation. And so um, ESV says this. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. The end. The end. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny. When I gave this to my husband, he's like, oh, my gosh. Like, look at that first verse. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, okay, so this is Genesis. Same same thing, just in the Tim Shell translation. Okay, so Genesis 22, verse 1. Years after Abraham had, Abraham had moved to Canaan and had the promise of his son fulfilled in Isaac, an ethereal voice called out to him in a dream. Abraham believed the summons came from Elohim, one of the pagan gods he worshipped, a god whose voice he heard when he had left Ur. Yet unbeknownst to Abraham, the pagan gods had remained silent, and it was Yahweh who spoke. Yahweh yearned to uncover Abraham's ancestral convictions, to figure out what he, was, what he still clung to and what he was willing to leave behind. He was measuring Abraham's faith while Abraham was intent on discerning Elohim's place in the divine hierarchy. Abraham, father of multitudes, are you with me? Came the resounding voice. And although dreaming, Abraham responded, yes, all of me is here. I'm not distracted or divided. I see you and I hear you. Boom. Same same (laughs) verse. (laughs) It's so funny because like I read it and um, I'm like, oh, what's funny is like when we were going through this, like right before the 
the Kickstarter launched, I was like, I think we should not do this. I'm like, sigh to my husband. I'm like, the translation, it's the same. It's the exact same as reading the thing. And he was like, okay, you're too close to the project. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Not the same. (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, I think... Man, I just think that's so that's so helpful because basically in in my mind um what what you have done here and I think what you've done successfully is you have taken um you know that short little bit that I started with mm-hmm. and then you have brought um the same exact kind of stuff that you would find in commentaries in mm-hmm. other, you know, biblical scholars writings, you know, in their their dissertations whatever and you have brought that in and then also you've added like a um I don't mean this in a negative way, but almost like a like a like a play script where like mm-hmm. you get the emotion um, and and you can feel it. And I I don't know. I think that's just really freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, thank <laughs> I you. I think it's super super helpful. Yeah. Um. So like what? So obviously, what you've done is you you have taken um a bit that was like almost just maybe a little bit more than one sentence, and this is here like a full paragraph, and then a, and then a little bit. Mm-hmm. What it what does the process for you look like? Like how did you how did you come to to that? Yeah, so I want well first I wanted to start with this story because everybody seems to be comfortable that this story happened and like that we serve a god <laughs> that asks us to like kill our kids. And good thing I don't have any kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm off the hook. <laughs> yeah, you're good. But like that was always weird to me that nobody raised an eyebrow at that. And then okay. Also, I felt weird about Abraham. Like, what's your deal and why? Because, I mean, I don't know anybody that if there was like, if God asked you, would you do it? They'd be like, yes, you know, hands down. Like, (laughs) I thought that was weird. And then also Isaac, like, why didn't you could have taken your dad? Like, why, why, why did you remain (laughs) silent? So all of that has been very weird for me. And um, so I said, you know, I'm just going to like. I'm going to start this. And so <clears throat> I just start doing what I normally start doing, which I've like always done. And only now is it coming in handy, <laughs> which is um, <laughs> I always start with the original language. Just even when I'm if I'm doing a sermon or even if I'm just reading the Bible just to read it. Um, and so we start with the original language. And one of the things I noticed is that at the beginning of the story, um, God is referred to as the Hebrew word Elohim. And at mm-hmm. the end of the story, he's referred to as Yahweh. And <laughs> so that's, we miss that. In our Bibles, it just says God, right? So right, we don't, right. we miss that. And so that makes a difference. And that clues me then into, okay, that I want to look into that. Like what's, why would we do that? What's the deal? And so uh, word studies on Elohim and Yahweh. And, you know, when you realize that the Hebrew word for Elohim was really actually just the generic term for God. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, why would he call him that? And so then that tips me off. It's like going down this like rabbit hole sure. and um, researching who Abraham was and what he believed and what the religion was during that time and going, oh, they were pagans. They were actually polytheists. They actually had a ton of gods that they worshipped. And so even when he gets called by Yahweh, who we know to be Yahweh, um, it was like his first introduction when he leaves Canaan in Genesis 12 is that's his first time hearing the voice. So this would be his second interaction with this voice 
but we know okay. from history, but then also from just the way we see the rest of the Old Testament going, is that he's still, he's not a monotheist like we put on him to be, right? Like sure. we are basically like, oh, he's like we are. And right, he's since we're monotheists, the we read yeah. that into the text. <laughs> yeah, we read that into okay. the text, and that's not so, at all what's happening. He's, right. This is only his <laughs> second, like, encounter with this voice. And so he's he's actually still trying to figure out who this voice is. He has not left this religion. I mean, it was, like, deep. His wife, Sarah, she's named after the moon god. His dad is named after the moon god. Like, they were, like, in it deep, and so you realize like, oh my gosh, he's dealing with this story in this story, especially if the story starts with Elohim and then ends with Yahweh, this name Yahweh, where like Yahweh sort of uses the angel to like reveal himself of like, no, this is, I am this voice is that like, this is a person on a faith journey. Like this is a person who is like trying to figure out what they believe and who this God is. Um, and the other thing that um, really stuck out, really stuck out to me about that, is that once you do fe- realize it's paganism and polytheists, is that child sacrifice was actually a part of their religion. So <laughs> they had to have all types of sacrifices, like that's what made your crops grow, and that's what made your animals well, and your your good cell, and whatever it was. And so the bigger the sacrifice that you had to do, like the more in trouble you were, but also the more pleased God was with you. And so the biggest one would be to sacrifice your son. And so um, then even just from there, from that first line of just reading Elohim, like it blows the whole thing open because now you're reading a story about this guy who's a pagan, who's a polytheist, who's like having a second interaction with this voice, doesn't know who the voice is, is trying to figure it out, but isn't weirded out by child sacrifice because that's his religion. But he's also just moved from Canaan and he doesn't know anybody in the land. And so you're also then, you have a clue of going like, what would that feel like? Like he has Mm. literally left his entire family for this voice and he doesn't even know who that voice is. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so you get all of that just by realizing that the fourth word is Elohim and not God. Right. No, that, that's so wonderful. And I think one thing, um, that I was told, so I, I don't know, uh, how much you've, you've heard of, of our podcast, if any, but there's, I've, I share randomly sometimes place dispersed that I worked at a church that was pretty toxic. And Mm. one thing that I was always told that if I were to teach or tell people about anything that I wasn't ever allowed to reference the fact that the Bible wasn't written in English because if people, what? yeah, well, hear me out. This is the logic. If people, um, if you were always saying like, whoa, in the Greek, it's this, or in the Hebrew, it's this, then people would not trust their Bibles and they wouldn't read them anymore. Because oh. they felt they couldn't read it. And so what I, the reason I'm bringing this up is because. You were, now you, you're like, well, kind of. I yeah, kind of can't. You, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you, you were solving a problem that maybe you didn't know existed to some people. But like, mm-hmm. it's, it's something that in my mind, like, I think is so important because like mm-hmm. that, that distinction, that, that one little word, Elohim, and then Yahweh that you just opened up. Um, like so many people don't know about that. Like so many people don't know that those things are in the Bible. So many people don't know that, uh, in the old Testament, there's a lot of polytheism going on, like a ton of it. (laughs) Yeah. Like mostly all of it. Yeah. 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 And it's not even really until like 
till like I mean you know they start following Yahweh and um, still in the Ten Commandments it says don't have any other gods with an before. S on the end of it before yeah, me. Yeah, because he's like there are other ones. Just make me right. the head honcho, <laughs> like, right. whatever. I know. Right. And so like it's 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 plain and it's there, but people don't see it. And then you take it a step further and say, well, look, it it really is here. This is huge. And mm-hmm. I think that's so helpful. Like, if anything, mm-hmm. I don't see how, how people don't see it as helpful. Like, yeah. that's extremely helpful to me. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think it's, um, I'm really glad that you said that because I think it's helpful. But it's one of those things where you're like, is is my brain weird and no one else is going <laughs> to, you know, latch on to it or whatever. And when I went back and forth with my editor on this, I really didn't want to give away Yahweh up front. I was like, okay. no, I want to leave it to the end, just like it is. I want to be true to the tags. And, what I'm and he was like, he's like, but nobody's going to get it. You're going to have the exact same outcome that you have now. Is that sure. like, <laughs> he's like, remember, like you as a kid reading this, like you get it because you've researched it. He's like, but you, you really have to put it up front and then let it kind of fall into place as you go. And I was like, oh, mm. that makes, that makes so much sense. But it really does. It changes the story because now the story is about God. And like, even as you go on, where was it? Let's see what, let's see what verse it is. Oh, just right there. It's the same verse. So God tested Abraham. Um, what's interesting about the word test in Hebrew, I have a good friend who's a rabbi and we were discussing this chapter and she said, you know, that word test is, as we think of it as, as, God maybe was like <clears throat> waiting to see what he would do so he could punish him. Like, it, and, and that's totally how we read it, right? Like we sure. always are talking yeah. about Abraham's had such good faith. God just asked him to do something and we should, we should do as he did and just follow blindly. Um, she's like, but that word actually means in Hebrew is it's a double language type of word. So it's this idea that God is sort of feeling out where Abraham is and Abraham is feeling out who God is. And so they're both Mm. doing it together. This isn't God testing Abraham and like ready to punish him. This is about God figuring out how to dance with Abraham and Abraham figuring out how to dance with God. And so that right there was huge for me because I'm like, oh, that really changes the story if we're starting out with a God who wants to know us versus a God (laughs) who wants to punish us, you know? Um, And as you go on, I mean, like, that really goes into play because what he does, and, like, I just think, like, God is so genius and so kind to do this, but he always meets us in our language and works within our language and within our cultural limitations to bring about new purposes and to sort of push Mm. new redemptive things forward. I mean, we see that, we see the spirit doing that all the time, but we see that here is like, he wanted Abraham to know who he was. And so he used the language of his day of child sacrifice um, to say, Hey, all these gods that you're worshiping would ask you to do this, but I am not like that. I am sure. not a generic God. I am mm. Yahweh, and I would never ask you to do this. And so but if you don't know that, it is a story about this, like, crazy God who asks this, like, old guy to kill his son and then for whatever reason <laughs> decides not to make him do it. You know? It's, like, it's right. so different. Right. Yeah, definitely. No, <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, brilliant, Bonnie. And I think one question that just, I mean, um, it's a little <clears throat> bit off topic, but it just came to my mind. Um, I feel like some people would maybe 
bring a charge against you and say, oh, well, if you're doing some like something like this, it seems like you have a low view of scripture. Oh. But mm-hmm. just just from our conversation, I feel like it's the exact opposite. That yeah. you have an extremely high view of scripture and a great respect for it. And that's why you're wrestling with it the way that you are. I mean, I could be wrong, but but how do you how do you answer someone like that? No, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, for sure. I think people um I mean, no one said it to me outright until now, so no, <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, but for sure, of this idea of if you have a high view of scripture, then you you don't touch it and you don't right. question it and you don't wrestle with it and you don't move it around or turn the gem at all. Um, but it precisely is because I love studying it so much and because I do respect it. I do respect um, its historical like nuances and culture nuances. I totally respect that it was passed down orally. And now we have this like book that tells this beautiful story. Like I have a very high, high view of it, but I think that when we have a high view and respect for anything, we get to know it. And I don't think we can get to know it if we don't touch it. And if we don't look at the original language and we don't say, Hey, this is like a book for wisdom and you know, it's the Bible, but it's culturally limited. Like we have to be (laughs) honest about it. I don't know anything that we would respect if, and say we can respect something if we're not honest about it. And so for me, like it's precisely because I love it so much that has drawn me to do it because I can't imagine doing all this work for something I didn't love and respect. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I think that's so beautiful, Bonnie. And so just thank you for taking your time to do that, because I really Mm. um, I genuinely think this is going to help so many people. I mean, it's helpful to me. I think Matt would agree. Um, Even just these little expert excerpts that we've been (laughs) able to see. um, I'm really excited to see kind of what what comes out of this. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was it's neat and like um it's just like I've learned so much already. Like it's it's cool cuz it's for me as it is for anybody else. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. Like mm-hmm. so sure. many of these stories like I knew like this couldn't be true about God, but I had to figure it out for myself, you know, and just like, it's just exciting. Like I haven't read this in a while this this passage we just read. And so like even that when he says um, God says, he said to Abraham and he says, here I am. What's interesting is about that phrase, here I am. So I translate it as, yes, all of me is here. I'm not distracted or divided. I see you and I hear you. Um, mm-hmm. I did it like that because in Hebrew, that phrase, here I am, is actually like the absolute most connected in all the different ways that you could be wow. with somebody. And the absolute most attention you could in love and like zoning in that you could ever do to anybody. And it's not a phrase that's used all the time, but we just hear as like some guy being like, I hear you. And so I really wanted to point that out of like Abraham was aware and like they were connecting on a level um, of them really trying to get to know each other. So there's just like really fun things like that in the, in the text. And I think later on we like, um, let's see where, if you don't want me to do this, cause it's too long, I won't do it, <laughs> but, no, go um, for it. let's see later on. Oh, I think it's at the end of it. Um, <clears throat> my editor and I went like back and forth. Well, one, one of the things you'll see is there's a, um, there's a phrase that I use often and it says like father, like son. Mm-hmm. And that's because mm-hmm. litter, like, um, <clears throat> how it's written in Hebrew is there's actually 
a kind of like a wordplay and the parallels there really draw out um, how alike Abraham and Isaac are. And it's actually one of the most heartbreaking parts of the story because wow. Abraham tells his son to do this. And like in that moment, he realizes I have raised you in such a way that like you don't even question your worth. Like you just wow. do whatever it is that gods tell you to do. And so it's like this moment of Abraham, heartbreak for Abraham of being like, oh my gosh, look who I've made kind of in my image. And so you see that in there, which is like heart wrenching. Um, but let's see where the, um, uh, hold on, hold on. Sorry. I should have been more like, I sh- but I didn't no, think of it good. until right now, no, but it's about, no, you're good. My mind is being blown. Like, this is freaking awesome to me. <laughs> I'm, like, so grateful that you guys want to chat with me. Like, sometimes I call my friends. I'm like, guess what? And they're like, oh, uh-huh. But they're like, okay, lady, move on. Okay. <laughs> That's how I feel, like, when I try to talk about theology with my wife. She's like, yeah, you're a dork. <laughs> She's like, why don't you call Matt? Um, <laughs> let's see. My husband's really good and patient, and he will totally go with me forever, but he's probably grateful to, like, eat dinner in peace. Um, okay, wait. Where is it? So it's when, okay, hold on. Oh, sees the ram to replace his son. It's when he's taking him off the altar. Um, okay. If you can find it before me. The wood um, offering Please even built an altar like the wood. Reach out his hand. Okay. Oh, is it wait, 12, oh. verse 12? Yeah, okay. So <clears throat> let's see what it says here. At that moment, the angel said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. This is from Tim Shell. The holy permission Abraham needed so desperately had come. The blessing to break ancient ways. Yahweh had seen him and heard him, heard his innermost thoughts. So that right there is obviously taken from another past. Like, I know your innermost being. Um, mm-hmm. Traced his conflicts and held them with care when they ebbed and flowed. He never left Abraham's side. He journeyed with him, talking to Abraham in the sacrificial language he would know and understand. It was a stark contrast to the moral fiber of the pagan gods. Yahweh would never ask his worshipers for their firstborn son. And Abraham lifted his eyes and saw a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. With a thud, the knife hit the ground and Abraham severed the cords that bound Isaac, who collapsed in his arms. Hmm. Um, so I was like so geeking out and excited because <laughs> Abraham severed the cords. So we went like back and forth, back and forth. And I had like said, like, cut the tie, like all the stuff in my editors, like, no, that doesn't work. No, that doesn't work. And so I was like, ah, and, um, so I obviously went back to the Hebrew. I'm like, okay. And I found that the word that they use in Hebrew really is severed, but it's only used like one or two other times in the Old Testament. And when it is used, it's always talking about God making a new covenant, like severing an old tie and making a new covenant with his people. Um, Yeah, specifically when God makes that blood covenant and he severs the animals. Do you know what I'm talking about? He makes a blood covenant with Abraham and he severs the animals in half. And then he he walks through and and Abraham walks through and he's making this blood covenant. Um, And so it was great because if you are reading this and you're Jewish, you would see that word sever and you would know, oh, this is a, this is a covenant language here. This is like wow. a, 
um, a moment where God's saying like, this will define us. And so I was super excited to like find that <laughs> gem and I'm like, we have to stay severed. <laughs> and it's like, okay, whatever. But, um, he was able to say like, it's at the end of this paragraph of him being like, these are the old ways and we don't have to do that. And God's like, this now defines us and who I am and what you can expect from me and like our relationship going forward. And so there's just like little nuggets like that all over the thing. And it's just like, it's so fun. It's so fun to read and then talk about. So it's just, it's yeah, great. No, that's awesome. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, that's really great. And it seems to me too, uh, Bonnie, that kind of what you're doing is, is almost, I mean, pretty much exactly like what a, what an, uh, a pastor with the teaching style, like an exegetical teaching style, like what you'd hear on a Sunday, Yeah. except it's like, it's like right here at your, your fingertips with the text. And I think that's, I just think it's wonderful. I mean, I can't say enough good. I'm excited about it. Oh, uh, good. I'm so yeah, glad. I, think, I hope you buy one when it yes, comes out. I for sure will. I have this problem, Bonnie, where Amazon uh, keeps sending theology books to my house, and my wife's like, how did this come? I said, I don't know. It's just so, on auto. I can't. Yeah, I can't. and so very soon, whenever this is available, I, I'm for sure the Tim Shell translation, I can almost guarantee Amazon will send it to me. Um, <laughs> you know, just add by default. So, <laughs> well, and you know what's funny that you said that is that like um, there's a few pu- some of the pushback I got was or I've gotten is like you you're a heretic, you know. Um, sure. Like, come up with a new thing. You know what I mean? Like I've heard that <laughs> so many times now. No, um, but because you're adding things <laughs> to the text, you know, and like one of the things like they pointed out that and they were like, for example, we don't know if the knife thudded. And I'm like, of everything in there, like that's where you, that's the hill you're gonna die on. Is the that's the hair that right about. <laughs> yeah, like, I think we could probably work around that. No, um, sure. But like, very uncomfortable with adding adding emotions in and 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 things like that. But um, what's interesting is that. Just to your point, this is exactly what you do if you go to church and you hear a sermon is that they are literally telling you this is, well, if it's a good sermon, like this is the cultural backstory. This is the historical setting. This is probably what he's feeling because he left his family, like all of that stuff. And nobody thinks twice about it. And in fact, almost worse, like we just listened to it and they were like, that was neat. And never read it again for ourselves. You know what I mean? Right, right. And so I'm like, at least here it's all written. And that was the other thing is I really wanted it to be the exegesis and the research um, and mostly the languages. That's super fun for me. And it's not always challenging because it feels um, like an Easter egg hunt for me. It's like, oh, my gosh, yeah. and I get excited. <laughs> Um, but then putting it into one thing, I really wanted to challenge myself as a writer. And so that's why I did it like this. Um, but also because I know that the average person is not going to read it and then read five more books or read a bunch of footnotes. (laughs) Um, and also like, if I do believe that we pick up scripture to have an encounter with God, the last thing I wanted is someone to read it as they've always read it and then have an encounter with me in the footnotes. You know what I mean? Like I wanted them to pick it up and be like, Oh, like, no, I can like, this is who God is. This isn't who like Bonnie saying God is, you know what I mean? And so sure at the back of each chapter or the back of the book, you'll see all the res- like all the sources I use and everything like that. I mean, and, and so you see like, Oh, it's like 
all these hundreds of books of all these people. And so it's kind of neat because in that sense, it's like all these people that have done all this research and thinking, like coming together to form this like beautiful, awesome picture of like who God really is. And someone just gets to pick it up and read it. So I don't know. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. And I'm just grateful that you guys are excited. That that pumps me up. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it's so wonderful. I think it, I think it really is going to help a lot of people. Um, and one thing there's, um, there's a phrase that has really been sticking in my head recently. Um, and I actually heard it from the other Bonnie that we had on. <laughs> in Look her at book. us. We're just leading the way. The Bonnies. Yeah, the Bonnies are kicking ass. Like, Bonnies <laughs> are killing it. Like, Bonnies are killing it. But uh, she, she has this phrase in her book, because uh, her book basically, The Flexible Faith, um, lays out multiple perspectives within the realm of historic Christian orthodoxy for a wide variety of theological topics. And the reason she does that is she says, if there is a version of Christianity that somebody can accept, why are we only giving them a version that they must reject? Mm-hmm. And I think what your translation is doing is it's helping those people that feel like they have to reject Christianity. Yeah. Because the the version they've been taught, the things that their pastor have told them, you have to believe this or you're not a Christian or you can only, you know, whatever. Um they're going to find something like this and scripture is going to come alive for them in, in a way that it hasn't before. And I mm-hmm. think it's going to be an yeah. extremely helpful thing for people like that. I mm-hmm. mean, I, there are students whose names come to my mind that like, I want to give this to you should because, give it to because them. it's going to help them. <laughs> yeah. It's going to help them. Um, mm, and I cool. just, I think sure. that's such a beautiful thing. And, <clears throat> and I understand um, if, if people try to bring negative charges against you, but I don't take it too seriously because I think the amount of good that is going to come out of something like this far outweighs the people, uh, and forgive me, Andy, I'm not taking jabs at you. Um, that might be afraid <laughs> of something like this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, no. I think it's super worth it. And, um, thank you. Yeah. That's so yeah, kind definitely. of you. That was so kind of you guys. I so appreciate that. That seriously, that means a lot. So thank you so so much. That's really cool. Yeah, for and sure. I think, I think to take it to the uh, the more thematic point that Josh was talking about earlier, I also think it's kind of funny because I would imagine most people who would have an issue with this would probably have no problem going to go see a Christian movie where there's like a giant <laughs> rock monster or something. Yes. So yeah. like, <laughs> a couple liberties were taken in that film, like but in general, <laughs> but in general, like you were talking about the, the knife dropping with the thud and that sort of thing. And it's like, if you were writing a movie <clears throat> script, of course you would write it exactly <laughs> like that. Right. And, and nobody would have a problem with that. Everybody would be like, Oh good. We've got God back in Hollywood. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is so true that is so true they would be like yeah this is the best oh my god dollar for every time i've heard somebody say yes we've got god in hollywood now and i'm like no you just got lots of money in christian movies yeah exactly right they'll make a movie about anything if you got money for it yeah exactly (laughs) exactly that's so true no that's so that's so true yeah it's so funny and 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 that to me too when people die on these like tiny hills like someone else was like you said in there that he gasped i'm like 
well, wouldn't you if your dad stood over you with a knife? Like, I'm like, hello. And they, they were really, really torn up about that. But to me, I was just like, that shows, like, to your point, too, this level of fear. Sure. That people are operating with of, like, uh, because I think in some ways it holds up a mirror to our own beliefs. Okay. Um, you know, like, for some some people will read it and go, that's not the God that I have always believed in or had always whatever. And so the, the journey down that path is terrifying. Um, and also can hold up a mirror to whatever church you're in or whatever theology you've always prescribed to, or, you know, whatever, what you think, well, if, if I do question this or if I do whatever, like what will my family or what will my, um, church or my whatever think of this. And so I think that's scary. And I think also generally speaking, and I know because I used to be one is that people are afraid of, um, a God that doesn't fit in a box. Like it's actually scarier, right. I think, to believe in a bigger sure. God that we don't really sure. know. The right, especially in a all. Western culture where everything mm-hmm. has been systematized. Like we, there's a lot of stuff I think the Eastern Orthodox Church can teach the West. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like th- just that that idea of contemplation and and um, it's more abstract, and I think people have a hard time with that. Yeah, I totally agree, and it. it Nobody wants to kind of sit in the unknown. Right. You know, like nobody is comfortable with that, even just in their own lives, you know. And I was totally one of them. Like I was actually just reading. (laughs) I'm doing Genesis 2 and 3 right now, which is like totally came in my butt. And um, I was like, I've like written my editor so many times, like, do you think we have to do this? And he's like, yes, <laughs> you said you would. Um, but I was just reading this commentary from Brueggemann. And one of the things oh, he perfect. says in there, I know. And one of the things he says in there is he was like, this is actually a commentary on what it's like to live with anxiety. Um, and oh, wow. I was like totally blown away because I I do. I'm like a highly functioning, um, anxiety, OCD, like all these things. And I was like, oh my gosh. And he was like, Eve is presented with this choice as we all are in every day of like what to do or, um, what to do next or whatever. And so our answer, instead of trusting in God and like that he's bigger than we can see and that we can't pin him down and he's mysterious and we don't know, Instead of trusting in that, it's easier to gain all the knowledge we can or try to about whatever it is we're anxious about because it feels better than mm. we can kind of convince ourselves that we have an answer. Sure. And I was like, gosh, I see that in my life, but I also totally see that in the church. It's a lot easier to try to sort of work our way um, <clears throat> into this boxed theology <laughs> than to go, gosh, I just don't know. I don't know sure. the answer to that, and I'm, you know, or whatever, and, and be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a great point. Um, and I had a thought, and it escaped my brain. Lame. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, oh. I remember what I was gonna say. I've um, I've been reading a recent, as in like, as of today. I started reading a book called um, The Lost World of Genesis 1. Oh, yeah, I just read that. 
John Walton. Yeah, and he also yeah. has one called The Lost World of Adam and Eve or something like that, right? Yeah, it's I'm Genesis that 2 right and now. 3. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. perfect. That's so funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, those, I think I, I'm loving it. So I, I just thought that was a cool thing. I was going to ask you if you've encountered that and if it's been helpful. Yeah, I really like Walton. I think he's good. I think he, I want him to um, pitch a little deeper into like the ancient Near Eastern. And so for okay. a good, like um, just kind of you side by side is Tremper Longman. Okay. He has a new book out. I just he was one of my seminary professors, but like oh, I cool. also made him be my friend because <laughs> I like loved him so much. Um, and he, um, I he made just came, Matt be my friend. There you go. <laughs> um, and so he just he just came out with a book too. You'd have to look at. I'll I'll send it to you if you want. But it's um, that looks really good. And I just started. I'm, I'm looking at my stack of books, but I just ordered it, so it hasn't come in yet. But um, that one was really good too. And then of course I, um, ends his book for. Evolution of Adam and Genesis for Normal mm. People. That was yeah. a really good one. Um, and then I haven't read this. Have you guys read this yet? It's it's a this is a former Jesuit um, like priest. Um, I think he's an atheist now. Um, okay. So, but I heard it was really good, and it won the Pulitzer. Oh um, wow! But it's called God: A Biography. Interesting. I have not read it. I, have I, to check it out. Only, I only read books by Christians. So <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> so you're like, uh, I'm like, oh, you're different than I thought you were. Uh, but like, because he has like all this knowledge, like he uses the Hebrew and stuff. So I'm really interested in reading that one. I think that will be really good. No, that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Really good. Yeah, but so I like well, Walton. He's awesome. Yeah, he. I, I'm mm-hmm. loving it. And I, I first encountered him on um, the podcast called On Script, which is. It's oh. a super nerd out podcast. It's super dorky, but it's really good. Um, they oh, have cool. a lot of. It's very heady, but it's. I'm a dork and I love it. <laughs> I should listen. I, I haven't heard. I of would it. recommend it. Yeah, on script. Okay. Um, one word, and their their pictures. It's blue, and their logo has like a microphone with white letters. Oh. Uh, but there's okay. there's a lot of really good stuff there. If you go back into their past and, and even stuff they're putting out now is just great. Um, oh, but good. This, okay. Yeah, this is definitely the point in the podcast where Andy would be like, oh, well, we're reaching our time. Uh, and I'm not that person. I'm terrible at that. <laughs> if podcasting was up to me, we would keep talking for like another two hours. We'd just pour some cocktails yeah. and then <laughs> just yeah, keep cheers. going. <laughs> exactly. No, but there, um, so there's so much, there's so much out there. Um, if uh, for our listeners, guys, yeah. uh, there's a really, really cool uh, segment that Bonnie breaks down the story of the um, the girl with the alabaster jar, um, mm. and mm-hmm. she, you know, she pours it on Jesus' feet. That story that we're also familiar with. Bonnie like blows that story wide open and kills it on her interview that she had with Bad Christian. So even if it's the only Bad Christian episode you ever listen to, go listen to it. Uh, because she we don't have time for her to, to do that right now, but it is fantastic. Um, and so mm, also, you. Bonnie, again, thank you for coming on and pl- uh, plug yourself. Where can people find yeah. you? Where should they go? Yeah, so um, you can find me, Bonnie Lewis or Tim Schill Translation on Facebook and Instagram. But also, if you go to Kickstarter and just search Tim Schell Translation, you'll see the translation we read from today will be on there. And then like the video and what it's about. If you want to order, like, be informed of when it's going to be for pre-sale, 
if you go to the FAQs, it'll say like submit a FAQ. If you just submit there, I want to be added to the list with your email address, I'll add you to our email list. I know what I'm doing when this podcast is over. (laughs) I need to get like a website or whatever, but the the Kickstarter, I don't get a penny from it. So it just pays my team. So it's like super low budget. So for now, just going, I'm like, oh, look, (laughs) they host that thing forever. So that'll be good. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. There, There you go. Sweet. Awesome. Well, Matt, any closing thoughts real quick before we wrap up? My mind is blown. I didn't realize the Bible wasn't written in English. So, no, so now you don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm just questioning everything at this point in time. But no, I'm just kidding. No, no I, I think, um, no, just thank you for, for coming on and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and talking with us. And I'm definitely excited to read the whole thing when it comes out. But I appreciate all the work that you put into it already. And everything that you will be doing so thanks cool thanks guys it was so fun to be here and like i mean maybe i shouldn't say this because this isn't professional but i should come back on when it comes out and we'll do another story yes please yeah for sure yeah, we really fun. yeah awesome. you have you have yep. been awesome and I, I i really do think that andy would like you a lot um even if you guys yeah. have some differences i think andy uh would really have enjoyed this conversation um and so i think he would really like to meet you and yeah um, that'd be great yeah i think that would be awesome and so uh, as far as as things for us go, uh, you can find us. Andy normally does this bit, so um, I'm trying to do my best, listeners. You can do you it. You can find us. We have a website <laughs> called TheologyDoesn'tSuck.com. You can find us there. Uh, Andy actually just put up a brand new blog post. Uh, it's really great. It's kind of a, a little theology of work, um, and it's it's a it's a great quick read. So uh, go check that out. Also, on our website, there is a contact us page where you can contact us. If you have any you know, comments or complaints, grievances, make sure all grievances are addressed to Andy. <laughs> Anything that is positive, you can send my way. Um, but then also you can find us on Twitter. Uh, Andy has jump-started us on Twitter uh, nowadays. Um, I really don't know Twitter that well, so I will stick to running our Instagram feed, which is at Instagram or at <laughs> Theology Doesn't Suck. <laughs> I'm terrible at this opening and closing stuff. Good God. All right, well, anyway, thank you again, Bonnie, for sharing your time with us today. Thank you for all the hard work you're putting in with Tim Shell. Matt, thank you for filling in with Andy. Uh, it's yeah, always man. always a fun time to have you around. And thank you for uh, for producing our podcast. We couldn't do yeah. it without you. Yeah, no problem. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. That's for sure. I was also going to shout out to the, the Facebook discussion group. Please if you do go, that. Yeah. Yeah. If you go on Facebook and you look for Theology Doesn't Suck uh, discussion group, you can find it. And we're, I, I mean, it's just kind of getting started at the moment, but there's already been some discussion on there. And, and if you uh, request to join that and, and tell us which uh, host you identify the most with, um, then you can, you can get into there. <laughs> the answer the quest to join. I, I love yes, a good conversation. It. Awesome. Yeah, 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 definitely. That would be fantastic. People could interact with this episode once it gets up. Uh, well, actually, yeah, for sure. since they're listening to it, it has already been put up, but since we're recording <laughs> in the past, it's a weird so interstellar moment we have going on. Uh, <laughs> sweet. All right, well, there's a thing that I do to sign off, uh, which is I say, go Caps. So... Let's go, Caps. And uh, thank you guys for listening to Theology Doesn't Suck. We love you guys. Go, Caps.